Hello and welcome to Mickey Rock Talk. My name is Shane A. Bassett, the movie analyst, your host today. And this, if you haven't heard the podcast already, is a healthy, positive journey through the career of Philip Andre Rock Jr. or Sue Eddie Cook, or as he is best known, Mr. Mickey Rock. Today I'll be talking about Dead in Tombstone and Wild Orchid. So let's get to it. This podcast is brought to you by Rode, Rodecaster Pro. That's what I'm using right now. And to kick it all off, crank that volume because here are the Saints. Love the Saints. They had some incredible songs in their day, and that is Know Your Product. The Saints. Well, there's not many Saints in Dead in Tombstone from 2013. It had a limited theatrical release, uh, pretty much straight to Blu-ray and DVD. Uh, I believe mostly on Blu-ray because I own the Blu-ray. Um, it was followed by a sequel, which I've never seen, Dead Again in Tombstone from 2017. Same star, Danny Trejo and director, but not featuring Mickey Rourke. Uh, it's a simple revenge plot, Dead in Tombstone. It involves a gang leader uh, in the Old West. Uh, he is set up by a member of his posse who also happens to be his stepbrother. Uh, played by Anthony Michael Hall, in order to take over the town that they originally, the gang originally just wanted to uh, steal gold from. Uh, Danny Trejo is basically backstabbed. Uh, It turns into him claiming, this is uh, his stepbrother, him claiming land and taking over the role as sheriff while executing his stepbrother. Now, I'm not really going to get deep into plot because there isn't much plot uh the deal the gang member played by danny treo is given uh by satan himself played by mickey rock he's given 24 hours to collect the souls of the gang that betrayed him in order to stay alive uh it has like those three really good actors in it and suitable for this part of western modern culture i guess you could call it mickey rourke as satan danny treo and anthony michael hall but dina meyer is also in this and she has terrific chemistry with everybody she comes in contact with on screen mickey appears in the opening credits uh yes and it's some kind of flaming dungeon he has the name of he has the name of blacksmith in the credits uh but he's really satan you have the Romanian location, which doubles as the American West here. Uh, and I think 
it's pretty cool because there's some good moments in this. And you also see Mickey at the start in the saloon upstairs. He's with two ladies and he's watching this gang who have entered town and they're entering into the saloon, as you can imagine, in westerns when gangs arrive, park their horses and bang through the doors. Uh, Mickey's up the top. And Danny Trejo's character notices him, but then he disappears, like, you know, just in a, evaporates. There is a voiceover in this by Mickey Rourke as Satan. It's very distracting. It's actually quite horrible. I don't know what I was expecting, but the, the voiceover is awful. And then later on in the movie, they insert Mickey's real voice into other voiceover parts. Uh, I think it's all ADR. And it swings back and forth. Very inconsistent. I don't know why. Uh, it Only, I guess, some people would notice it, but it's definitely not Mickey talking half the time as Satan. Even when his face is on screen and you hear his voice, it's not him most of the time. A couple of other things I didn't like about Dead in Tombstone was the constant use of unnecessary slow motion and circling cameras too often. Uh, happening to the point it just got too annoying uh, and, and I, unable to sort of concentrate at times in certain scenes. Now, the town is called Edendale, and they change it to Tombstone. Now, is this allowed? Did Tombstone already exist, or is this like an unofficial origin story of Tombstone? Well, that's the question I ask, but there is a deleted scene uh, in on the Blu-ray, which I'll talk about later, about deleted scenes. And the deleted scene has uh, a, a sign that they put up as to Tombstone over the Edendale sign that is taken back down and then transported off to another town, apparently. So uh, it sticks to being Edenvale. I don't think you can really call a town Tombstone that shouldn't be Tombstone. Danny Trejo, he is fabulous, as you might ex um, expect from him. Uh, his chemistry with Dina Meyer is quite great, actually. Uh, the exploitation concept is good during this story. You know, the devil making a deal with this outlaw to re take revenge on his gang and has 24 hours to do it. You know, it's, a, it's an excuse for a, a horror western, horror action western. There's explosions and stunts. They're all really well conducted. Almost all of the action scenes are nicely photographed and edited, which is very important. There's a horse and cart chase, a couple of them, which are pretty good. Treo actually rides a horse into the saloon at one point, and I think that was a highlight. Am I a sinner? Yeah, I'm a sinner. We all are. This is the worst. No shortage of bad guys. A bunch of vicious... Lying, murdering thieves. No wonder they double-crossed me. Oh, and all those sins. Where am I? Somebody's come to collect. If it is your desire to pay penance for your despicable life, I want that bit Kavanaugh's blood. You're gonna bring it to me. And the Blackwater gang. I want all six men. I don't care if you are the spawn of hell. I ride with you. He's a dead man. Some things don't stay buried. Take your revenge and deliver my souls.
escape from damnation. You're from around here? Not exactly. So that's the audio of the trailer, Dead in Tombstone. And one of the best lines that reached out to me during this was, you don't have to do this, brother. There's plenty of gold to share around. And the response is, I prefer lead. And then, then of course, uh, there's another shooting spree. Danny Trejo, he is the man. He has some pretty good chemistry with uh, Mickey in this movie. They aren't in it a lot. I'll talk about and their interactions shortly. But Danny Trejo, of course, if you haven't read his book, he's got a book about his life story and entering Hollywood and and growing up, man. It's unreal. If you haven't read it, check out Danny's book. It's incredible. Uh, This is some of the movies that I know Danny from. Now, it's not all action. You've got to remember that Danny Trejo is so versatile. Bubble Boy, he's in that with Jake Gyllenhaal. Very, very funny scene. Anchorman, yes, he's in Anchorman. A good movie, a little independent thing called Violet and Daisy. He's great in that. Danny was in Anaconda. I like Anaconda. It's a really good, bad movie. Good slash bad movie. Danny is, of course, in Sherry Baby, another independent movie that gained a lot of attention. Maggie Gyllenhaal, who we just mentioned her brother, Jake in Bubble Boy. And if you don't know already, you should. Danny Trejo is in one of the best movies ever made called Hate. Yeah, he's in Hate. Anthony Michael Hall is also in Dead in Tombstone. He and Mickey Rock were in a movie together called Exit in Red. So they're old mates. But they only appear momentarily together in Dead in Tombstone. Right at the end. Uh, And it's quite unusual because... He's torturing, Mickey is torturing Anthony in this particular scene, but he's also kind of torturing him in Exit in Red as well. Now, Exit Red is quite significant, the 1996 movie, very few people know about, not only because Anthony Michael Hall, who, if you don't remember, is a child star from his teens uh, when he was big, from 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club and... Uh, he was in Six Degrees of Separations with Will Smith, and he's just such a good actor. He's been in so much good stuff, but rarely gets noticed. I mean, he was in one of Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. Yeah, but only a small role. But back to Exit in Red. Now, if you're a Mickey Rourke fan, you're going to really know what I'm talking about here, but Carrie Otis is also in Exit in Red. We're going to talk about Wild Orchids shortly, which had Carrie Otis and Mickey starring in it. For the first time. Carrie is his ex-wife and Wild Orchid co-star, of course. I'm not going to get into gossip, but uh, he openly admits to, he as in Mickey, openly admits as ruining this marriage. And uh, who knows what exactly happened. There's different stories and Carrie and Mickey have both been interviewed and and mentioned different things. But as sad as it is, uh, Exit in Red is an okay movie if you like crime, independent 90s movies. Danny has been in a few movies with Mickey. Uh, In particular, I'd like to mention Point Blank, the 1998 Point Blank. Uh, There's quite an array of movies called Point Blank, especially the one most people know with Lee Marvin. Uh, Yeah, so check that out. It's kind of like Mickey Rock's Die Hard, actually. And we'll talk about it in a future episode of Mickey Rock Talk. I like it a lot. Animal Factory. 
Danny Trejo was in that from the year 2000, directed by Steve Buscemi. So Danny Willem, Willem Dafoe is also a regular friend of Mickey's and appeared in Once Upon a Time in Mexico with Danny Trejo and Mickey Rourke. That was from 2003. So some links there, as I always like to talk about. Blood squibs galore in this movie. Blood squibs galore. Which makes me think maybe Mickey will turn up in one of the Machete movies that uh, Danny's done and is going to do again. He never turned up in the previous ones. Maybe he's going to be in a new one. Go Mickey. Mickey appears as a bystander in the final shootout in this uh, movie. So he can appear and disappear, obviously, but he sticks to his little uh, dungeon as you see throughout the movie. He's basically only in it on his own or talking to Danny or at the end talking to Anthony Michael Hall. But even then you just see him torturing Anthony Michael Hall. The final shootout is quite interesting because when Mickey Rourke Satan or blacksmith appears, whatever you want to call him, and the shootout is happening, he moves the bullets around, obviously with some kind of magical power, Matrix style. So swerving bullet time actually appears in Dead in Tombstone. There is an unintentionally funny moment from Mickey Rourke as Satan in a church as he drinks and spits out holy water. I thought that was quite cool. There's no smoking from Mickey in this one. Uh, He rides a horse briefly, which uh, we know he can do very well in many films before this and after this. He has really acceptable chemistry with Danny only because there's not a lot of it. It is just in this dungeon area and they're sort of yelling at each other and Mickey's character's philosophizing. Mickey wears an old scratched up leather vest and jacket and pants and boots and this all very, very significant to the era of the Western. Placebo with their cover version of Kate Bush song, Running Up That Hill. Oh, I love it. A uh, little bit of uh, religious vocals in there, and uh, I think it's very appropriate in an opposite way to Dead in Tombstone. Did I like the movie then and now? Well, I've never seen it before. Can you believe it? And watching it for this podcast, I felt it was decent. And yes, entertaining. It's no bone tomahawk western mashup or John Carpenter's vampires or even high plains drifter. But you know, Dead in Tombstone gets a pass from me, and it's worth a look, my friends. 
not a big Western fan, but I'm here to tell you this one has a few moments and it's got a lot to do with the expressionism of the filming and Danny Trejo himself. Could Mickey play any other role? Well, of course. He would have been excellent as Guerrero, the Danny role. I mean, definitely would have been different and maybe similar to Mickey's role in The Last Outlaw, 1993 movie we'll be talking about in a future Mickey Rock talk. But it's fine that he didn't play uh, the Red Kavanagh part. Now, that's the Red Kavanagh is... Anthony Michael Hall's character's name. I think Anthony Michael Hall is perfect as the slimeball villain. I don't think uh, Mickey could have justified that any better. But I definitely think Danny and Mickey could have traded roles and it still would have been impressive. Uh, That said, as I mentioned earlier, there is a sequel to this movie and uh, Danny returns as Guerrero and does a very fine job from what I can see in the trailer. I have not seen the sequel I do think it's worth noting that on the Blu-ray, there's 15 minutes of deleted scenes. Now, I love extra features on deleted scenes, but none of these feature Mickey Rourke. So I have a feeling that Mickey's scenes were filmed back-to-back as a block by the director, and that's why we had a little bit of weird ADR, little additional voice recording by someone else pretending to be Mickey. I think... Mickey is very good as blacksmith slash Satan. Uh, He doesn't have a lot of roles like this. I guess you could say in Immortals, a little similar, although that's also got a bit of medieval dashed in. I don't know. Check out Dead in Tombstone. It is not bad at all, and it's sort of in the, the middle to lower part of the Mickey Rourke career pantheos. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Welcome to Rio de Janeiro, my friends. That is just my really weird way of saying Rio de Janeiro, the world of wild orchid. Creators of Nine and a Half Weeks comes the most eagerly awaited film of the year. Enter a world of desperate love and stunning sensuality. Enter the world of Wild Orchid. Miss Reed, if you're chosen for this position, what would you say if I told you you'd be expected to leave for Rio de Janeiro in the morning? You're going to make a lot of money, honey. You might as well learn how to enjoy it. It's all play money anyway. A young woman leaves home for the first time, unaware of the passion awakening within her. I have something for you to wear. Wear it. struggling to unleash his emotions. You're a strange man. Curious man. What if I told you that I dressed you up and pushed you at him? Just to see if he'd respond to you any differently than he has to me. I'm not used to women running away from me. A woman learning to feel from a man who can't touch. I can't begin to tell you what I'm feeling right now. Show me. You know the rules of the game. And if you didn't want to play Emily, you wouldn't be here. In the heat of Brazil, she invites his passion. We all have to lose ourselves sometimes to find ourselves, don't you think? 
In a moment of desire, she touches his soul. Mickey Rourke, Jacqueline Bissett. Tell him to take off his pants. And introducing Carrie Otis. Wild Orchid, an adventure of the senses. Ah, yes, an adventure of the senses, all right. This is a notorious and brutal 1989 erotic romance thriller. Introducing Carrie Otis in Wild Orchid. Uh, She plays Emily, a law graduate, uh, who's just been hired and on the spot by Claudia, Jacqueline Bissett, to accompany, accompany her to Rio in order to close this big real estate deal. The focus on the so-called plot here is on an abandoned hotel. I mean, it's almost in ruins. Then there's a sting of getting to know you scenes. Um, The whole sting of these scenes just really punch you in the face. They're in complex, too complex. uh, But the business deal involves voyeurism and sexual innuendo, uh, left, right, back, front and centre. It's written by Zalman King from Nine and a Half Weeks fame, Two Moon Junction and The Red Shoe Diaries, of course. Uh, who can forget that television show that we probably would never see again on modern TV, maybe on pay TV and uh, streaming services, that is for sure. But Red Shoe Diaries is definitely a product of its time. This was uh, written and directed by Zalman King alongside his collaborator wife, Patricia Louisa Knopp. And they have brought back their nine and a half weeks lead, Mickey Rourke, as an international businessman who likes to watch. Of course he does. His name is Wheeler. Now, Wheeler and em- Emily, they go on this date. Uh, Claudia has pulled out of it. Jacqueline Bissett's character, because she's got to take off to this wedding, and it's all just weird stuff happening here. And he admits on this uh, date that he has called her mother to ask what she likes for dinner and knows what to order her to eat. I mean, what? Just one of many strange decisions made in this movie. Other unusual scenes include uh, marriage advice in the back of a limo. Uh, There's some sailors on shore leave. They are actually fighting and this carnival party and uh, Mickey sort of does a runner with Carrie and incites it all to begin with anyway. I mean, this not might sound that weird, but wait until you see the whole setup of everything. It's just odd. There's also a bit of a callback or is it just a Zalman King fetish? I'm not sure. It happens when Claudia asks Emily, have you ever wondered what it is, what it would be like to be a guy? And there's a speech, and then all of a sudden it's uh, them dressed, or a package arrives for Emily, and then you see the men's clothes inside, including this fake moustache, and they both uh, dress up as men and go out of the hotel uh, pretending to be men. I mean... I've got no drama with that at all. I think of Annie Hall. Diane Keaton is amazing. But uh, as these two in men's clothes, Jacqueline Bissett and you know Carrie Otis, as beautiful and amazing and uh, I think productive as they are in this movie, it's just odd. A little bit like the whole of Wild Orchid, actually. It's very odd. <laughs> Thank you. 
not only is the movie uh, odd, it has a, a confusing and not always entirely convincing soundtrack or suitable soundtrack. I'll talk a little bit about that again shortly, but that was a, a piece that I wanted to share with you called Moments in Love, and uh, yeah, it doesn't really do it for me, but I hope you liked it. I do hope you enjoyed what little bit I did play. The whole Rio Carnival, there's actual footage of that spliced in, the dancing and the parades and the floats uh, for the Day of the Dead. And that is part of the contribution to the mess of this movie. The editing is just really bad. Uh, Mickey smokes a little bit in this movie, not much. Uh, cigars and cigarettes in this. Uh, there's a little bit of James Spader in Wheeler. I think Mickey as Wheeler is very good. He's a little mysterious and wants to keep things on hold, kind of like John did in nine and a half weeks, you know, keep things close to his chest, doesn't explain too much about himself. But um, Wheeler likes to watch and James Spader likes to watch in Sex, Lies and Videotape because James Spader's character is a flop, literally. He cannot get it up when it comes to physical action. James Spader from Sex, Lies and Videotape, if you have not seen, is an outstanding powerhouse understated performance. And uh, by no means is Mickey's Wheeler character on par, but there are similarities that reminded me of the two. Jacqueline Bissett, well, she's a firecracker in Wild Orchid as Claudia. And alongside Carrie Otis, uh, I think... Her multilingual consultant, played by Carrie as, you know, Emily, they're a formidable duo. Like, who knows? They both exactly know what to do. They let loose. Uh, Carrie sort of goes with the flow. She's in tow. And then Wheeler walks in in one particular unusual seduction scene and, and seems to be, like, crazy in jealousy, but he just won't do anything with Emily. Keeps teasing himself. And she is also dreaming of what she saw back at this abandoned hotel of a couple in the pouring water over them and, and getting pushed up against walls having sex. So I don't know, like if in 1989-90 when audiences were waiting for the sex in this movie, they may have been disappointed because most of the sexual content is just illusions or voyeurism. It's not that massively over the top except of course the final scene which is the one most people talk about for one or two good reasons Oh my God, be careful that your ears don't explode with that trumpet.
It is so overpowering throughout the whole movie. Uh, the That is the uh, supposed love theme. Uh, the music has been composed by Simon Goldberg and Jeff McCormack, and I'm not sure that... Uh, well, they may have done a thousand movie soundtracks for all I know, but uh, this one is not one of my favourites. And I love movie soundtracks and compositions. Oh, it's... Oh, actually, it is really Zalman King. He would have approved this. He would have loved it. You know, it... I guess it's a little jazz-infused, and you really need to like jazz to appreciate it, maybe. But that said, it is not one of my favourite soundtracks. Mickey has very good chemistry with Jacqueline Bassett. Uh, Carrie, his ex-wife, as I mentioned before, uh, their infamous sex scene at the end of this, well, people say it's for real, but uh, who knows? It's the camera angle from the top. While they're straddling, they do a few different positions and there's water and there's sweat and there's it's all sorts of things are flopping around and it looks real. To me, I think it is just the way it is filmed. Does Mickey suit the role? Well, Mickey certainly does. It's tailor-made. Tailor-made, just like he suits and casual attire in this movie. It's tailor-made for him. I think you will get swept away by some of the weird decisions made in this movie the acting is fine there's a little bit of uh orange over tanning oil or something on mickey and i think this is the first movie where i actually noticed he was overly tanned i noticed it more when i saw harley davidson and the marlboro man and you'll see what i mean when you watch that and that's a movie we'll talk about in a future episode of mickey rock talk who else is in the movie well not a real lot of other people you may recognise other than Bruce Greenwood. He pops up uh, in a few scenes. He's a scoundrel and he's responsible for an atrocity. His character is a jerk. Don't like him at all. He commits a crime against Carrie Otis's character, Emily. It's not nice. Now, as an actor, though, you could remember him in Father's Day, the comedy that had Billy Crystal and Robin Williams. He was also in Flight opposite Denzel Washington. Everybody knows Denzel. Dr. Sleep he appeared in that. Uh, a great 80s comedy, very politically incorrect, The Bikini Shop. And if you thought Wild Orchid was bad, well, this was on a, ba- a list of bad movies that you know you might see when you look up lists of bad movies. It's really not that bad, Wild Orchid. But Bruce Greenwood was also in Swept Away, the movie directed by Guy Ritchie, who was then married to his lead star of the film, Madonna. Now again, Swept Away is not a great film. It has less sex than this, a lot of more innuendo, I guess, although this movie has a lot of innuendo. They do actually have entertainment, whereas Swept Away is entertaining for all the wrong reasons. I wouldn't suggest anyone watch Wild Orchid just for entertainment, though. I I don't know why you'd watch this movie unless you were, like me, a Mickey Rourke completist. Could he play another role? Well, yes. I reckon Mickey Rourke could have played the Jacqueline Bissett role. I would like to think that if the roles were reversed, she could play Wheeler and he could be Claudia and still be an agon... like an aggressive but passive aggressive 
Tees. And work together with Carrie Otis on the business side and then Carrie Otis could have had a relationship with Jacqueline Bissett. I reckon that would have worked. I, I, well, there was almost a bit of a three-way happening at one point uh, with Carrie, Jacqueline and a, a random dude off the beach. Do I like Wild Orchid now and then? Well, now not so much. Then not so much. I remember seeing it at the cinema I don't think I probably should have seen it at the cinema because uh, I wasn't of the right age. However, it was in a cinema that I remember... Now, I remember seeing a few movies in this particular cinema and they must have just thrown uh, dodgy films into it because you had to walk up a whole lot of stairs and it was a little shoebox cinema and I remember seeing it there at George Street, Sydney. Well, that's where I saw most of my movies as a youth when nobody else knew I was there too. I used to take days off school to do just that, see movies. I liked it okay then, when, the more I think about it, but it's I find it harder to enjoy now. Although it's been a while since I've seen it from start to finish, uh, I, I sort of soaked it all in while I was watching it, and I don't really know. Um, and, and back to being... The role reversal that I was suggesting of Jacqueline Bissett and Mickey Rourke, if they did that role reversal in this film, if that was the case, there'd probably be too many comparisons to Nine and a Half Week as Claudia's character talks Emily into doing many things she's uncomfortable with. And that's what, um, you know, Claudia does to Emily. She talks her into doing stuff that she probably really wouldn't normally do. And because she's a new employee and everything, Emily does them. Apparently, Brooke Shields turned down the role of Emily. Uh, that would have been very interesting. And Willem Dafoe said no to playing Wheeler. I think Brooke would have been in her mid-20s or actually younger, a lot younger than what Carrie was anyway. And Willem and Mickey, well, they've appeared together in many movies. Uh, Jacqueline Bissett, ex- incidentally, was in Domino, the 2005 good movie much better than this one. Uh, We'll talk about Domino in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. We can go if we want to, night is young and so am I. And we can dress real neat from our hearts to our feet and surprise them with a victory cry. Say, we can act if we want to, if we don't, nobody will. And you can act real rude and totally removed and I can act like an imbecile. We can dance, we can dance, everything's out of control. We can dance, we can dance, we're doing it from pole to pole. We can dance, we can dance, everybody look at your hands. We can dance, we can dance, everybody's taking the chance. Save the dance, oh, let's save the well, there's not a lot of uh, safety dance, unfortunately, in Wild Orchid. There's a lot of dancing, Brazil style, but no safety dance. And that was Men Without Hats. And that song features on the soundtrack of The Informers, a movie I keep teasing will appear on a future episode of Mickey Rock Talk. The clothes that Mickey wears in Wild Orchid, well, they're pretty standard. There's a few scarves going on, though. He... He wears and sports some blue jeans and a, a grey jacket. Uh, quite often he'll wear a sports jacket with no shirt. That that happens a lot. Uh, at one point he wears a like a gold watch 
a chain bracelet. He's also got uh, a variety of suits and shirts, black, uh, a salmon shirt at one point, and a black vest over the top of that. I'm not too sure I liked that particular arrangement. Uh, He had a big hoop gold earring on for the entire journey of Wild Orchid, and uh, a black jacket, no shirt, which I said before was pretty common, and beads, some beads, and a pink bandana as well he wears at one point uh i don't know he drives around in a on a harley or i should say rides around on a harley and that is interesting because it's a beautiful bike and it is foreshadowing harley davidson and the marlboro man of course if you stick around long enough for the end credits uh there's a horse riding scene and that's not unusual as i mentioned uh, about mickey in this before he does some horse riding in plenty of his movies including the last outlaw and Shergar. but uh this end credits scene might be just representing their true love i think uh it's kind of like frolics along the beach in the water between uh carrie and mickey and look it looks all fun and games and fine and dandy but uh, a little unusual to be playing over the end credits. Maybe, like I said, as he's signifying true love. Who knows? So much of Wild Orchid is extreme and appalling. I've got, to, I've got to say that. But it's also some kind of romance at heart. And I think that if you look between the lines, it's scintillating, it's broad, it's a little ridiculous, but there's a swipe of real true admiration between these two, including acting i don't think it's just their characters i think you look at them looking into each other's eyes and it works to a certain point it works then add in jacqueline Bassett. enough said i love her she's so good so seek out wild orchid all you retro sex completists you're gonna love it the soundtrack sucks but other than that uh Yeah, it is worth looking at. And it's hard to find. So if you don't have a DVD copy like I do, I haven't upgraded actually. It is on Blu-ray. But I don't believe it's streaming anywhere. I think there should be a uh, Zalman King Film Festival where this one plays at. That would be very, very, very interesting. Check out Zalman King, honestly. I I think if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to know exactly who he is. And one day I'm just going to like let loose on Two Moon Junction one of my all-time favourites. But for now, thank you very much for joining me on Mickey Rourke Talk. Until next time, my name is Shane A. Bassett, the Movie Analyst. You can find me on social media at movie underscore analyst. Uh, You can also send me an email with your thoughts on Mickey Rourke or anything else, shaneadambassett at gmail.com. If this is the first Mickey Rourke Talk podcast you're listening to, Check out the other ones. There's not many. I only started them recently as of the time of recording this, but I have a lot of admiration for Mickey Rourke's career. I don't worry about the gossip. I just have like an inkling to talk about his movies, whether I do it in a structural style or not or whatever. I just pick random movies and hope that you enjoy listening to me talking about them, keeping relatively spoiler free but not if that makes sense and mickey rourke needs to be revisited so many movies and i'm not just talking about in his 
his early career from the late 70s through the 80s and then the 90s, but, you know, onwards, leading even leading up to The Wrestler, his Oscar nomination in The Wrestler, and then after that, the opportunities that he's had and, and taken and, and the durability that this actor has. I have a lot of admiration for Mr. Mickey Rourke, and if you didn't know already, I want to talk more and more about him but i won't for now thank you very much for tuning in until next time this is shane a bassett saying bye for now and long live mickey rourke and just before you go here is a hint on one of the upcoming movies i'll be discussing on a future episode of mickey rourke talk and because it's november at the time i'm telling you this it might pop up online pretty soon so check out body heat we're both doing this